Hi everybody, it's Tova from Operation Tube Top, and uh, I don't know if you can hear that, but it's silence. And uh, yeah, the kid is at the in-laws for the uh, uh, for the night, and I'm really excited to pretty much do very, very little. This is the last thing that I'm actively going to do today, and I'll be probably posting it Saturday now, Saturday morning, so I'll probably be posting this uh, Sunday or Monday. Um, yeah, so today's topic is going to be about fall in Vienna. So as you all know, it's my favorite season. Uh, I love it. I do like uh, Christmas time, Hanukkah time. Um, <clears throat> sorry, because I get presents. Um, and it's cozy and fun. But yeah, it's officially fall. And uh, I guess before I get into the topic of fall in Vienna, I thought I would uh, kind of do a recap of the last few days. Um, as I had said on, I think, Tuesday night, the kid had a freak out on Monday. He had another one on Tuesday. So we kept him home also Wednesday from school, uh, just in case. And then uh, he was fine all day. He was great. And when I got home, I, he was uh, in a great mood. I put him to bed. And then I had a phone chat with my friend Katie, which was nice. And uh, her her twins woke up after their nap, and she had to go. And I heard the kid talking, so I had to go. So Wednesday was pretty chillaxed and then Thursday I went to work and I went afterwards to meet a friend quickly at Cafe Francais which is right by Schadentour. This is a great cafe in Vienna. It's very French hence the name Francais and they have actually really fantastic food and I like their rosé and it's just a really beautiful place to sit because you have a a view of the Votivkirche which is kind of like the middle child of cathedrals in Vienna and often ignored and it's a uh, yeah it's a it's a really lovely place so we met quickly we quickly caught up and then I had to head to the Beaver Brewing Company and uh, that this was for the therapy networking night so I've mentioned it before I've been doing these now for about a year and the idea is pretty much for professionals to get together they don't have to be therapists they could be teachers um, or child care providers who are interested in knowing more about autism. Uh, I usually only stay for about 15-20 minutes at the table because I'm not a specialist and I, knowing me I'd be like so tell me more things uh, and then they'd be giving me free therapy which is not that's not right they should be paid for what they do. Uh, so I showed up at six and there were already a couple of people there. There were quite a few new people which was fantastic and we do it in German and English and um, there was, uh, yeah, there were some therapists, and there was a teacher, and uh, our therapy aide showed up a little bit later, and there was one woman there who is a mom, she has a child with uh, um, autism, and she came because she makes these incredible weighted um, stuffed animals. So I don't know if anyone who has a child with autism will have heard of weighted blankets and things that kind of provide a little bit of weight. And the, the idea is that this gives a child with autism comfort. For example, my son loves blankets. He's constantly wrapped in a blanket. Uh, I don't know if that's autism-based or he sees his mother doing that a lot uh, in my little cocoon. And uh, he likes to be in dark places. And I think it provides a kind of a, it's a stabilizing thing for them. So if you have a child with autism, you've already probably spent about half a million euros on various different things to maybe, you know, there's these things that they can bite, there's weighted blankets, there's vests, and they're all super expensive. But what this mom has done is she's created these 
really cute uh, stuffed animals. A lot of them are super soft and weighted them down with quartz and they're fantastic. I mean, the quality is out of this world. And when she took them out of her bag, she must be really strong. She had a lot and they're heavy. She took them out. And everybody at the table was like, ooh, it was like, it'd be like if somebody would like showed up with shoes for me, I'd be like, ooh, but I was excited. And she had this one that's a cat and it's super soft and it looks like a cat. Um, and it was just adorable. So I ended up buying that and they're super affordable. The money goes towards therapy for her son. I think this is a total kick-ass girl boss move. This mom is like, I'm going to be providing something that's needed in this market that's affordable and I'm helping my kid. I mean, this is, that's, that's the goal. Um, I think she's just fantastic. And I think she sold a couple and she had this one that I think is also great, not just for kids with autism, but kids that have kind of attention issues. Uh, it's a kind of a, it's a turtle shaped like a turtle and it's a real turtle. <laughs> no, it's shaped like a turtle and it's weighted and it's got pockets and you, you place it on the lap and the kids can put their hands in the pocket. Like when she showed pockets, we were like, Ooh, pockets. It's the same when I see a dress with pockets. Um, but it was, it was fantastic. And so I shared the information on my Facebook page and on the autism in Vienna page. I really need, we need to support initiatives like this because I feel like with anything, as soon as people feel that they can make money, um, and they're not, you know, affiliated with autism, sometimes you see things that are just so overpriced and it's really, it's hard. I mean, we spend, as I said, close to a thousand euros a month on therapy for our son out of pocket. And, um, being able to buy something that can be incredibly useful at an affordable price is everything. So, um, please look her up. Um, Emmy, I think hyphen Tira, it's on the autism and Vienna page. You'll find her link. And, uh, what she also does, which was neat. She said, I'm only making, um, stuffed animals that are of animals that are found in Austria. She's like, I don't do an elephant. I don't do a giraffe. And I was like, I get that. I think that's brilliant. So please support her. I think this is, uh, I was so excited and it was so great to meet people and just see how, how much they love children, how much they want to help kids with autism. And I'm always like, it's almost like getting an adrenaline shot after these uh, meetings, because I feel like a movement is starting. This is happening. We are creating a strong network of specialists. And uh, as I've said before, if you are a therapist and you have qualifications, very important, and references, uh, please feel free to share your information on the Autism in Vienna page. There are a lot of parents looking for people. And also, if you're a parent and you live in Vienna and you're looking for someone, please send me um, information of what you need and I can post that as well. It's just, that's the whole point of this is to create a community that is able to help each other. So as I said, I only stay 15 or 20 minutes at the table, but that doesn't mean I leave the bar. <laughs> I headed to the bar and uh, I ended up meeting a lovely couple from Michigan who were on holiday. <laughs> and uh, I'm a chatty Kathy, like to talk to everybody. And uh, they were really lovely. And it was, it was a great time. I gave them some, some tips to check out. And uh, yeah, that was really fun. That's kind of, I love a night out where I meet people randomly and um, I'm not shy, <laughs> especially after some drinks. So uh, that was fun. And then I decided that I was going to walk home. And I'm part of this kind of walking challenge at work where we all got these pedometers for free. And you put in your goals. You're supposed to have at least 10,000 steps a day. I put in my goal is 13,000. And I've been kicking that goal because I, I'd like to walk. And uh, I don't know how, I mean, I must eat 
so much to not be thin because I walk a lot. Um, anyway, I decided that I was going to break a personal record uh, that evening and I have no sense of direction or distance. So walking home from the beer brewing company was a lot longer. Also, I think I went the wrong way at one point. Uh, bless you, Google Maps. Also, I was carrying like four kilos of, of a stuffed animal and it does look very like a, very much like a cat. So I did get some looks. Uh, of course, I listened to my favorite murder while I was doing this, and I scared the crap out of myself again. And there was I was near my home, and there was somebody walking really closely behind me. And I hate when people do this. Like, don't walk closely to me, especially I'm a woman alone. Don't do it. And I was kind of, you know, I was feeling like, come at me. And I stopped and turned and gave a death look. And it was just another young woman. And I terrified her, <laughs> but I was like, don't walk closely to me. Come on now. So that was fun. Um, I was exhausted Friday morning. We had to get up again, get uh, the kid ready for with the school bus. So then I went for a run to sweat out the beer and whatever. And then I went to work and I, I'm not feeling great. Like there's, there's a cold going around the office. So uh, I'm hoping that I can kind of kick it with exercise. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, went to work and then afterwards I headed to a friend's house. Now we've never really, we've only met a couple of times and it was funny cause when I showed up, she's like, you know, we're friends on Facebook. We interact a lot, but we've never really sat down and talked. And I was like, well, today we're doing a podcast. So this will be our first, our first conversation. And then the other friend, uh, also showed up cause the reason for the podcast is you can find it. Um, you can find any of my podcasts either under Podbean. Uh, Operation Tube Top, or you can find it on the Operation Tube Top Facebook page, or if you're stalking me, you can find it on my wall, because uh, some of my posts are uh, public. Um, yeah, <laughs> anyway, so I interviewed these two uh, women because they run uh, this concert series called Mosaic, and we had so much fun doing it. It was just super, I hate using this word, but it was super organic. We drank wine, we laughed. We probably could have done another hour of that that would have been uh, no problem and I think we're going to maybe do it as a monthly thing because it was just so much fun I I do like uh, interviewing other people for this podcast because it does make my job a little bit easier I don't have to talk the whole time when I did the craft recap on Tuesday I think it was almost an hour long and by the end I was like I can't speak anymore which is which is new for me um, also, uh, funny enough reminds me of when I started teaching English, uh, when I lived in Vienna, when I first, second time I moved here about 13 years ago and I had this job at Berlitz and I would teach English for hours at a time and talking in high energy. And I came home and I guess my husband said to his mom, like, it's just, you know, she's been talking all day and yet she can still keep talking. I don't know how she does it. And I then got upset. Um, so I guess that that's kind of the recap from the last few days. And, uh, as I said, the kid is at the in-laws this morning till tomorrow afternoon. It's amazing that my in-laws can do this and that he's so happy going there. They have three stories. So he's always exhausted by the time he gets home because he goes upstairs (laughs) up and down and up and down. And he just loves being there and he's fed everything. So uh, it's great for him. It's great for us to take a break. And pretty much the plan after I finish this podcast today, run down to the store to get some food. And then I'm just going to be on the sofa. Uh, I'm not going to move much. I might have to set an alarm to avoid bed sores to flip once in a while. 
but yeah, I'm, it's very much needed. These three weeks have been uh, kind of a whirlwind and with, you know, the kids starting school and I just, it's nice to take a break. And I think it's very important. And I know how lucky we are to have grandparents to be able to do that once in a while, because there's a lot of people who don't have that opportunity, but it's so important uh, to be able to get rest. And this is why I always talk about my dream parent hotel, which I'll talk about in another podcast. Otherwise, I'll just keep going on. So as I said, the theme today is fall in Vienna. And, uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful time in the city. They call it Kaiser Veta, um, when it's, it's kind of get this warm patch or this warm time. It hasn't really happened yet. It's been kind of cold. Uh, but the trees start to change. I mean, it's not a New England special, but it is gorgeous. Why did I say New England? I should have said Canada. What is wrong with me? Be a patriot, Toba. Um, the thing that's always, whenever fall is around, it's uh, in Austria and Germany, you have Oktoberfest. And Oktoberfest, you know, wrong name. It's actually always happens in September. And I found out a few years ago that the reason why they do it in September is that I think a hundred years ago, they're like, October weather kind of sucks. We want to drink beer in tents. Let's do it in September. So that's not very Germanic. I don't know why they didn't change the name, but Oktoberfest is huge, of course, in Germany. They do have it here in Austria. And Vienna recently, I think just a few years ago, started their own in Prata. So you'll see a lot of people in Dirndl and Lederhosen, and uh, there might be vomit on the streets. And I went to an Oktoberfest when I think I was about, I must have been seven or eight. We lived in Dusseldorf. And my dad, his kind of former nanny, lived in Munich. And we drove there to celebrate Oktoberfest, but it wasn't in, you know, downtown Munich. It was just in a suburb, but it was a huge thing. And they had all these tables out and my parents are drinking beer and they're at this, like, they have these kind of almost like picnic tables, but super long with benches. And there was a hill and I decided that this was going to be how I was going to learn how to uh, ride a bike. I was going to go to the top of the hill, get on the bike and propel myself down this hill. And my dad says that he just remembers looking up. Uh, as he's drinking his beer and he sees me on the top of the hill with this bike and he knows I can't ride a bike yet. And he's thinking, she's not, she can't, there's no way she's this stupid. Um, and he's watched in horror as I go careening down the hill at full speed and smack into the end of a wooden picnic table and kind of pass out. So my dad goes running over, my parents are yelling and my dad goes, is there a doctor anywhere? And this is Germany. So everybody put their hand up because everybody's a doctor. And then he was like, oh, a medical, is there a medical doctor here? Many hands go down, a few go up. I was fine. I think I just got a bump on my head. Um, I wasn't known for, I mean, I I was very clumsy as a child. It was actually, I think just a year before uh, we were leaving Romania and moving to Germany. And I was so excited to see my dad after like a trip and I went running towards him. And he describes it as concrete stopping my fall um, as I fell straight on my face and I was covered in scabs for weeks. Oh God, I feel sorry, parents. I guess I was kind of a hot mess. So that was Oktoberfest. Uh, that was my memory of it. I don't think I've really been to one since. Unfortunately, it's changed a lot from what I've heard. It's become very commercialized and 
a lot of people kind of bros go because they want to see the ladies in dirndls and it's maybe hypersexualized. And that's unfortunate because Oktoberfest really is just supposed to be drinking beer and having fun. Um, and I hope that it can kind of recapture what the spirit of it was, <laughs> drinking beer at a better price. Um, a thing that's very Austrian would be kind of what they call the Antedankfest. And this is kind of their Thanksgiving, but not what we do in North America. Uh, and you'll have kind of these big meals. And sometimes in the city, there'll be a farmer's market with an like a Thanksgiving, like an Antedankfest um, theme. And Antedankfest really means like harvest, grateful festival. And, uh, of course it's pumpkin season. There are pumpkins everywhere and it's not pumpkin spice latte. That's not really a thing unless you go to Starbucks here, but mostly savory. So pumpkin soup, if you're in, um, in Austria and especially in, in Styria, you have to pick up pumpkin seed oil. It's out of this world. And, uh, yeah, pumpkin soup is huge. And then you'll have like pumpkin risotto and, Everything's pumpkin, but it's fantastic and it's savory. It's, pumpkin pie is just not really a thing here. Also, what's kind of fun is that you have um, maronis, and those are chestnuts. And what they do is they uh, they have these big kind of uh, I can't. What are they? Drums? They're like steel drums that are filled with coal or wood, and they roast chestnuts. And it's cheap. I think it's a euro or two, and you get a little kind of paper cone filled with hot chestnuts and then your fingers fuse from the heat, but they're delicious and amazing. And you can also get like what's called Kartoffelpuffa, which is like the Austrian latkes. Uh, and it's great. I, oh, now I want chestnuts. <laughs> I'm going to go look for one of these stands because they start to pop up around September, October, and you can find them all over the city. Um, it's also mushroom season. So there's a ton of mushroom picking that happens in the um, Vienna woods and, uh, you'll see people out with baskets. And so they're either going to get chestnuts that have fallen to the ground or they're picking mushrooms. And as we should know by now, there are mushrooms that are poisonous. So if you do have any, um, concerns about the pumpkin, uh, the mushrooms that you've picked, you could a go on Facebook and ask, uh, people who are not professionals, or you can head to Nashmarkt and they have this little place where you can go in with your mushrooms and I think it's like, it's called like Pilz Inspector, like Mushroom Inspector, and he'll check your mushrooms or she and tell you which ones you can eat and which ones you should toss. So I think that's, that's just gorgeous. Like, I love that. I'm like, that's so cute. I can't imagine in Canada, like showing up at some official place and being like, are my mushrooms okay? Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's charming. And it always reminds me of the time that uh, my husband and I were out for dinner somewhere it was kind of like this set course meal, a four course dinner. And one of the things was called gabacana, um, pits or, um, so like baked mushroom. And I've usually seen them where they take like budded mushrooms and they deep fry them in this kind of bread coating. So it arrives and it's large. And I say to my husband, I'm like, Oh my God, it's shaped like a mushroom. How cute is that? And he looked at me like, Oh God, who did I, who did I marry? Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> every time and my friend always says, when I say something stupid, she's like, it's shaped like a mushroom. I'm like, shut up. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it, there's just so much to do in the fall here. I, as I said, the weather's usually pretty amazing. Uh, my favorite thing to do is, uh, to take a walk. You can go up to Kallenberg and walk through the vineyards some places are still open, like some of the little um, kind of wine huts, and you can go and have a drink there. 
and you can go to Prata, which is not the amusement park. That place can be a little sketch, uh, but the long um, alley, as it's called, and there's like little side forest walks. And uh, again, you can pick up your chestnuts there. People kind of pick them up and there are hazelnut trees in some places where you'll see, you'll see a lot of people kind of like looking at the ground and they're not looking at dog shit, um, but they're looking for uh, different types of nuts and things, which is uh, again, a very kind of European Austrian thing to do. And other things you can do, it's just a great city to walk in. I go through the um, Stadtpark and you can go through the palaces and go out to Schönbrunn and take a walk around the ring. And while the leaves do kind of go yellowish, sometimes red. Uh, it's not the same effect, as I say, as the Canadian, but it's still gorgeous. And the weather, as I said, I keep repeating this, weather's usually great. I say that because I love the fall. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that you can do. I mean, of course, there's always day trips. You can go out to Baden, uh, which has a sulfur smell because of their. Um, they have these hot springs. Uh, you can go to Midling. There's a castle you can check out. I think it's the Liechtenstein Castle there. And any within an hour, you'll be in a completely different region, and that's always a lot of fun. And what's also nice is you can go to a place called um, Semmering, which is um, it's only about an hour from Vienna. And what I love is it has kind of mount, a mountain range, and they're not exactly the huge Alps, but they're mountains, and you can go skiing there in the winter. It's also gorgeous in the fall. And there's a very famous hotel that I've stayed at a few times. And it was funny because I stayed there with my parents a couple of times back in the 90s. And then I had forgotten because I'm an ungrateful child. And my husband and I went, I think, the first time about 11 years ago for a couple of nights in the winter. And I walked into the hotel and I was like, I've been here in a past life. And I was like, I know this. And I knew exactly where everything was. And it was really weird and I thought maybe I was having some memory of as I said a past life and I told my parents and they're like no you dumbass we went there so many times with you and I was like oh yeah that was fun it's a great place um but the hotel is a bit like The Shining I've heard that they're doing huge renovation on it so we'll see I would love to go back for a night or two and as I said it's only about an hour from Vienna and you can get there by train and they have great walks. It's a great place to walk. It's a, it's a fun place to ski. It's kind of, um, a day trip that people like to take in the winter. And, uh, yeah, so that's something I would suggest to do in the fall is to head out to Semmering, um, just for a day if you can, or stay at the Shining Hotel, which is also kind of fabulous. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what else I can and talk about here because I had all these notes and then I was like, I talked too quickly because I've gone through them all. Uh, don't forget to, uh, if you're going to go to Oktoberfest here in Vienna, you can wear your dirndl, you can wear your lederhosen. They do have this kind of tradition of how you tie your dirndl. If it's on the left side, you're single or the right, I don't really know. Um, but nobody really pays attention to that at all anyway. And uh, there's there can be a type of, almost snobbery to dirndls, the ones, I mean, I have a couple that are cheaper. They're not the old school kind and also different regions in Austria have their different types of dirndls. And if you buy one of those, you're looking at paying about 800 euros. Uh, but the thing is, is that they last forever. Um, my size doesn't, so that's a problem. But <laughs> once you buy and invest in a dirndl, you'll wear it forever because you only wear it a couple of times a year. And then you have different types of journals in terms of, uh, for weddings, more formal, 
or you have, um, you know, more of a summer one, a winter one. There are wedding dirndls, like an actual bride dirndl. And I have to say they're incredibly flattering on every single woman. I have never seen anyone look bad in a dirndl. And when it comes to men in later hosen, that I can't say the same thing. I'm sorry. Um, they have also more formal, and it's called Trachtwear. It's a type of uh, kind of traditional style. And I remember in the in the 90s, it wasn't very popular. But nobody, nobody, no young person wore a dirndl or later hose, and they kind of were rejecting this traditional wear. And then there was kind of an explosion the last um, 10 years. I don't know if there's some kind of reason behind there, but maybe people were like, you know what, they are really super cute. And maybe because the styles have really developed and changed you also have long dirndls for more formal wear. You've got shorter ones. You've got ones in bright colors. You've got the traditional kind of green and black ones. And uh, one day I'm going to invest in a really nice one. Also designers, Austrian designers are starting to embrace the dirndl look, which is kind of cute. There's this one fashion designer named Lena Hoshek, and she now has a whole range. And it's kind of fun to see. I, I love this kind of traditional look. And... Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I haven't worn mine in, in a couple of years. Maybe I'm going to try it on when I'm not feeling bloated. Uh, <laughs> and the thing that you'll notice at, after you wear a dirndl all day is that you've gone down a, a waist size because they can be quite um, restrictive, constrictive. Sure, sure, we can go with that. Um, yeah, and when you head to Oktoberfest, if you are going there or you're going to any kind of village party, uh, you'll hear the term mass beer, which means it's a liter of beer in a huge thing. Uh, while that's fun to do once, <laughs> uh, it's not a great idea because your beer gets warm by the end. So don't do it. Do it for a picture. Do it for an Instagram picture and then move on. And you'll see the, you know, the waitresses carrying, I don't know, like 16 glasses and their forearms are like Popeyes. And it's just amazing. And they're always, I think maybe I'm too too tired to go to one at this point. And also, um, yeah, I think maybe there would be a little bit overwhelming for me. Maybe in a year or two, I'll feel like I'll have more energy to face one again. Uh, some people also find them maybe a little bit too nationalistic, which is a whole nother story. And I'm not doing that on this podcast. I'm not smart enough to argue stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but they are, they are fun. And the one in Munich, even though it is considered kind of commercialized, you can always find a cool tent where it's a lot of fun and it definitely is a party and stock up on aspirin and don't forget to eat, which would mean you'd get the, uh, these are Germanic, the, uh, the Weisswurst, which are white sausages. I'm not going to research what goes in them. Um, and the typical Austrian sausage would be the Kaiser, which is pretty much a cheese filled sausage. And it's, it's so decadent. It's so over the top. They're absolutely delicious and um, they're disgusting and they're kind of um, a burn hazard because sometimes when you cut them open, you're sprayed with cheese. I don't, <laughs> anyone who doesn't live in Vienna right now is like, what are you talking about, Tova? You need to lie down. This doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast about fall in Vienna. Uh, if you have any suggestions of things, that you like to do in the fall, please let me know. Again, if you're picking mushrooms, don't ask your friends on Facebook, especially on a Saturday night, because they might be drunk and think it's hilarious that you've um, tried a slightly poisonous uh, mushroom because you might have dick friends. Um, <laughs> try to find an expert. 
get some chestnuts. Uh, you can make them in your oven, but they're that's kind of a pain in the ass. Just buy them from the, the stands. Oh, and don't forget to have some storm, which I've mentioned before, which I like to call uh, nature's laxative. Don't have more than one glass or two because you will um, either lose some weight or you will also feel absolutely terrible the next morning. And there are three drinks that I can warn you against in Vienna. So number one is the storm. Delicious, but be careful. Uh, number two is punch, which is kind of a glue vine. And there's a place at Kepterplatz, which I think has the best punch in all of Vienna. It's kind of a shady stand. I haven't been for a couple of years. So I need to go back. It's where we used to live. And you get the like the classic house punch, and it's deadly. And I remember I was, I'd already had two, and then I was going for my third, and the guy in the stand was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, come on, bring it. It's just sugar water. Um, he was right. It was like I fed the gremlin after midnight and gave him water. It wasn't smart. Uh, and the third drink uh, is a wine called Schilke. I can't even pronounce it properly. And my first foray into that was a few years ago at a party. Uh, this couple came and the wife was Austrian and she passed it to me and she was like, this is really delicious. It's wonderful wine, but don't drink it tonight. And when you do drink it, you just have a glass or two. Just trust me on this. And I was like, well, now I'm intrigued. And I did not listen to her advice. I think I had the whole bottle <laughs> and I almost died. I don't know what's in it and what makes it make you go crazy or make you feel like you need to die, but it's uh, quite a powerful wine. So those are my three, uh, my three tips when it comes to uh, drinking Austrian alcohol. Wow, that went off on a tangent. So again, I hope you have a great weekend. It's probably over. The weekend's probably over by the time I post this. So I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, thanks again for all the listens. I really appreciate it. I'm over 500 downloads now, which is exciting. I have many more, um, what's it called? Uh, interviews coming up with different people that are locked in, which is so much fun. And there are more topics to be had because I can talk about things forever. Um, so again, have a great week if it's starting for you. And uh, thanks for listening and all the best and enjoy fall. And I guess I can end it with a typical Toodles.